Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insight podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Alison, and uh, welcome back. I, I know you've been on a short break there. Did you manage to get down to the beach? I did get to the beach. It was beautiful. So can't complain. And uh, now back for, for a good Friday before another weekend. But uh, uh, no, Queen, we Queensland's t- just been spectacular these last uh, few days, hasn't it? Incredible. Incredible. I, I agree. We had the uh, CPI data this week in Australia, though, which was perhaps a little less than spectacular. It climbed to a headline <laughs> rate of 7.8%, which is the highest annual rate, I believe, since 1990. And um, another interesting fact I saw there was actually that the quarterly growth rate was 1.9%, which is the highest since the GST GST impact back in 2000. So some pretty high headline numbers. And, you know, a lot of the drivers, I think, have been supply side, you know, things like petrol, electricity, cost of housing, food, all those things that have hit the headlines. But I'm pretty confident the RBA wouldn't be necessarily overly pleased with what it's seeing. Is there any sort of shifts or drivers that things are changing in inflation, Matthew? Well, you're right, uh, Alison. I mean, generally speaking, inflation it remained elevated across most categories. And it was really only communications, you know, um, telecommunications, equipment and services, that type of thing. That was the only broad category that showed a small price fall. So most of the categories, which, as you correctly pointed out, those supply-driven categories um, are still showing high rates of inflation. You know, the cost of electricity accelerated, which is no surprise to everyone who's listening. Petrol prices jumped. That was mainly because the excise tax was reintroduced, if you remember. But also, uh, recreation. Turned out recreation was the biggest upward mover in terms of categories. People went on basically uh, a holiday spending spree, and that drove accommodation and airfare costs higher. Uh, I suppose there is a slightly brighter note, and that is that although overall food prices remained high, food price inflation eased a little, particularly as fruit and vegetable prices, they dropped a pretty large 7.3%. And while the cost of housing also remains high, its inflation rate also eased somewhat over the quarter. But having said that, despite these positive signs, it's also evident that, as you say, substantial supply-side pressures remain in housing, utilities, electricity and rents. And these spending categories, they'll tend to keep inflation elevated through the first half of 2023. Just in terms of markets there, how did the market respond to the news, say, Alison? Well, reasonably muted, despite the fact that it is such a high headline number. And I think that's partially because the RBA itself had been flagging um, in its forward estimates for some time that the inflation would be high in this quarter. In fact, its own estimate was 8%, so we were slightly below that. But, um, you know, equities dropped off about half a percent or so in Australia, um, but it's recovered that predominantly now. We saw a little bit of more increased momentum in interest rates. That's perhaps not surprising as people sort of really factored in that confidence around the increasing interest rates um, from the RBA trying to combat inflation. So that's pretty much locked in now. There's an 80% chance priced in the markets that the next on next Tuesday, the RBA will increase by another quarter of a percent, uh, taking interest rates to 3.5, 3.35%. So a bit of momentum in bonds certainly helped the Aussie dollar a little bit as well with that you know, interest rate expectation. So we're a bit over 71 cents now. So it's you know some reaction, but not not too significant. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm discussing markets and economics with Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, I think the RBA is in somewhat a bit of a bind. Well, certainly if you're reading the media, 
they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. You know, they need to raise interest rates to combat inflation, but that could bring on a recession. Um, but if they don't increase interest rates, we've got we could have inflation getting out of control, and importantly, inflation expectations getting out of control. So. Where does this outlook leave the RBA, do you think? Well, it is a tricky um, situation for them. They're, they're treading a fine line, Alison, as you said. In, in terms of the immediate policy implications, I think the inflation data certainly confirms your, uh, a 25 basis point rate hike that you'll get from the RBA next Tuesday week um, when the uh, RBA board meets to set the cash rate. We feel that the RBA will follow up with another 25 basis point rate hike in March, and then they'll pause and and hold uh, the cash rate at 3.6% for the remainder of the year. Why? Well, as as we were discussing, you know, inflation is remaining sticky uh, largely because of these supply side factors, which are proving to be very slow in unwinding. And so if the RBA wanted to get inflation down more rapidly, they would have to um, have much more aggressive rate hikes to squeeze out that part of the economy on the demand side, those prices that are sensitive to demand rather than supply. And that certainly, if they were to squeeze down even more heavily on demand, it would leave the, uh, lead the economy into recession. I don't think the RBA wants that. So, Matthew, sort of perhaps flipping around the other way, is there a risk that they don't raise rates? I mean, while inflation headlines are high, we are seeing central banks around the world signalling perhaps a pause or a, or a ceasing of, of raising of rates. We are seeing the fact that, you know, Australian in- inflation is heavily influenced by global events. And if we are seeing inflation tipping over a little bit into international markets, mm-hmm. perhaps the RBA takes the lead from that and goes, we won't raise rates. Any thoughts yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, well, there are some commentators starting to flag that the RBA may have reached the end of its tightening cycle already and that, uh, and they're flagging that they may follow the trend, as you said, of overseas, where which may mean the, that the easing cycle um, is, is starting the second half of the year. I don't think that's the case. Look, the RBA, Alison, spent the whole of the second half of 2022 convincing the market that they had inflation under control. What they were able to do was get inflation expectations back down within their band as it started to threaten um, exiting that band. And I'm talking here about, you know, the 10-year inflation expectations, the average inflation the market expects over a 10-year period. And that was getting quite high. That's come back down to something that's manageable, but it has been drifting a little bit higher as we get these higher inflation prints. So the RBA will be certainly not want to allow that inflation expectation to drift higher. Um, uh, that will be on their mind. On top of that, you talked about the currency. Well, you've seen with the um, expectation that the RBA does these extra 22-25 basis point rate hikes, that the currency has been stabilising around 70, 71 cents to US dollar. I think that the currency would pop on the downside if the if the RBA was to disappoint market expectations, and that that itself would be inflationary. We've also seen house prices, while still falling, starting that fall starting to moderate. And if the RBA was to signal that rates are now done, and in fact rates might be falling later in the year, I would imagine that that house price movement could very quickly reverse, and that is something that the RBA wouldn't want to see happening. And finally, we know underlying these sort of short-term factors, wage growth is rising. We're going to see the renewal of the migration program, which will add further demand-side pressures to inflation. So that all adds up to me to a point where the RBA is going to be very reluctant to pause where it currently is. It will justify current market expectations of another two 25 basis point rate hikes. 
Makes sense, I think, Matthew. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm chatting to Dr. Matthew Peter. Now, Alison, can I jump in and ask you a question now? Look, of course. <laughs> good. You know, I'm in the fortune position. I'm an economist. So I just have to analyse the economy. You're in the world of uh, investments, and that's a, a very tricky place at the moment, you know, very difficult place for investors to be. You know, interest rates, you know, to my way of thinking, they look about where they should be right now. But of course, there's risks to the upside still um, with interest rates, I think. Equities are probably a little bit rich, and we've talked about that before. And listen, where else outside of those traditional asset classes of bonds and equities, where else can investors look to uh, guarantee or to to improve their strategic return on their portfolios going forward? Very rare to get a guarantee these days, Matthew. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, I agree that equities do seem a little bit rich. We, we chatted about this um, a little last week with the US earnings season just beginning, and it has been an interesting week of, of US earnings. And while in general, the reports aren't too bad, in fact, earnings have actually held up we are seeing um, some companies, particularly in the tech sector, announce major layoffs of staff really in order to try and protect their profit margins. And the reason why they're doing that now is because they can foresee weaker earnings looking ahead. And that's something that that we've talked about before and something that we're a little bit concerned, concerned about, that the market really hasn't quite factored in the fact that the economy will slow. And with a slowing economy, you are likely to get a slowing of earnings. Now, it may be that if companies can cut, cut costs, um, the market is priced fine and that that's okay, but we're going to continue to watch that pretty closely. But with that sort of volatility, and we've also talked about interest rates, you know, are they around the right spot or not? There's still a little bit of question mark. So we're preferring to look at areas like private debt. I think private debt is quite an interesting one. While we think earnings are slowing, we don't think that companies in general are over-levered, and we also don't think in general that earnings will slow to an extent that, that the debt financing that they have in place won't be able to be met. So we think that there's a reasonably good credit outlook. Um, and given that, we think private debt, particularly in Australia, actually has an interesting risk-adjusted return where there is some inefficiencies in the market allowing for you know, reasonably, reasonably compelling rates. So we are looking at further investment into Australian private debt in both corporates and also asset-backed securities. And we're also investing globally in private debt for that matter as well. Um, we just think it's a, a, an interesting area and in sort of what we would call a mid-risk part of the portfolio. Um, one that has a little bit more certainty of outlook given its um, interest rate nature, but it doesn't quite have that same volatility as either what we're seeing in bonds at the moment and also what we, we with our concerns of equities. So, but it is challenging and certainly no guarantees, <laughs> but uh, but we're keeping our eyes on the ball. But Matthew, wanted to thank you again for joining me and I look forward to chatting to you next week. My pleasure.